Hello and welcome again to our next week of our encounter lesson on the book of Job. I hope that you have found these first two lessons uh, intriguing. I have, I think, uh, I don't, I don't know if I've ever had just a real deep dive study in Job uh, in a church setting. So I hope this has been uh, something that's been useful for you. Uh, before we get started, we'll introduce ourselves. My name is Chris Fleming. I'm the director of Adult Ministries for the Ministry Council, the coordinator for Adult Ministries for the Ministry Council of the Cumberland Presbyterian Church, and this is my co-host. Hello, I am Becky Zardi. I am the Director of Ministry with Women for the Ministry Council for the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. And All those we, titles, like yeah. we get tongue-tied, Director, Coordinator, blah, yeah. you know, it's fine. It's just Call me Becky, that can... life is good. That can get the encounter in your hands. That's that's yeah. what I tell. There people. we go. Perfect. Um, both of us will be going off to General Assembly here pretty soon. Uh, yes. So um, we're looking forward to that. Asking all the churches to pray about that. Pray for the delegates. Pray for the youth delegates that are coming in. Uh, yeah. Ultimately, General Assembly can cause heartburn for some people. And it's a good time for other people. But ultimately, I'm asking you guys to pray for the business of the church and that we conduct ourselves worthily of our calling and the business that we do uh, is beneficial to not only the church, but to the world. Even though we're small, uh, we're witnesses to Christ. And so that's good. Amen. Um, so Reverend, we're going to be in yeah. lesson three. This is going to be we, 19. Yeah. And if you have not joined us before, please click the buttons below, like, and subscribe to this channel. We would love to interact with you. Share it with a friend. That's right. Share yeah. it with, share it with a whole nother denomination. Just, just let it go. I am confident. I think I might've said this yeah. in the last lesson. Like I said, I've been in a couple different churches that use different curriculums. I'm confident that if you use the encounter for a couple quarters, you're going to know more than you did before. And it, right. and it provides pretty good discussion questions, comparatively speaking. Uh, you know, again, yeah. I know we're not writing uh, Paul Bunyan's classics here, but I also think that this this is a solid study. So, it, I totally agree. Very, very good, theologically sound, productive material. All right. Um, so Job chapter uh, four, uh, we're going to be talking about friends in need is the name of this. And so let's start mm. off with our prayer for illumination. Holy God, we settle for and often give worldly wisdom. As we study your word today, fill us with the wisdom of revelation. Let us speak your wisdom to our friends and neighbors who need sweet words of grace. Amen. Amen. And our memory verse, Job chapter four, verse six, is not your fear of God, your confidence and the integrity of your ways, your hope. That'd be a cool verse to be able to apply or put put on a tombstone. Yeah, it would. Hmm. So anyway. I'm not going to have a tombstone, but if I did, that would be a yeah. good one to have on there. I got you. All right. Our introduction for today, we'll just set it up by saying now we're getting into those, those opening chapters and the debates about theodicy, as we said last week, the justice of God. And Job is trying to explore what in the world is going on in his life and his yeah. friends are only too happy means. to try to help so um as good friends do okay yes. as good friends do we always try to help i'm going to let you kind of give us some introductory thoughts and then maybe we'll sure. go with the discussion question but let's let's see what 
see where the spirit takes us. I really enjoyed this introduction. You know, Dr. Estes points out that every pastor knows the importance of the ministry of presence. And that is something that is so important, not just as pastors, but as friends. I mean, how many times have we had somebody that was, had lost a loved one or had been suffering through a terrible, terrible illness. And sometimes words just don't, they don't mean anything. They don't do anything. They don't bring any comfort. And so just being with someone, just knowing that they're, whether they're in the other room or they're on the other side of the couch from you, whatever it happens to be, just knowing that there's somebody there that is with you, that is commiserating with you through whatever it is that you're going through, whether or not they, you know, they don't have to say anything, just knowing that somebody is there for you, I think is a huge thing. And that's kind of where he starts our introduction, which I loved. And it really gave me some things to think about because these friends traveled from, we don't know how far they came from to get to Job. We know that they came in a caravan. We know that there was a whole bunch of them that came together, but they came and for seven days, they just sat with Job for seven. I can't imagine like half the time when we get together with a friend, we can't even be quiet for seven seconds. Gotta Can have you the imagine? cell phone. <laughs> exactly. You know, we're going through whatever. Can you imagine seven days, seven days of just. Just being with somebody. Yeah. I think that actually though helps us. I think sometimes we, when we're studying the book, Job, we already have a frame of reference in our mind that these friends are. Yeah. Are no good or right. they're not helpful but you know at least give them credit for the seven days of silence yes um because you know seven days is a long time yeah seven hours would be pretty good and they just they literally just sat with him and i can only i mean i'm a very visual person so in my mind i'm imagining these friends coming up and seeing job and just this horrific state with boils from head to toe, he's lost everything, just, just in such agony and misery that maybe words escaped them. The only thing they could do was just to be. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, it could have been just seven days is a long time. Like I would question their motives if they came and sat for, like I said, seven hours, two days four days, mm-hmm. seven days. That means they're, they're in it to, to be yeah. a friend, I think. Absolutely. Um, so I think I would, I would, there's nothing else I can add to that. Um, but I will ask the discussion question. What would you say to someone who has experienced repeated tragedies as Job did? Would you even know what to say at all? No. Warning on my end. I'm not a very good pastoral counselor. I'm not. Well, um, and some of it is because I just, I kind of want to get to the point. Like it wouldn't take me 35 chapters in Job to be like, God can do whatever he wants to do. Right. And I have that in my mind as a principle set or as a rule. And so it, you know, when something bad happens, I don't, I'm, I'm not a theodicy guy. I think I told you that I'm in the, I'm the created being who is the clay to say to the potter. and so. I, I mean, I see problems with that, but I don't. I mean, it's worked for 42 years, so sure. <laughs> I guess uh, it is what it is. But, but I'm, I'm short on that because I don't know what I could add to that. 
because I don't know if I could say anything at all. There's nothing except to just be with somebody. Yeah. And I, I guess think- the other thing that I do now is I acknowledge that it's terrible. And I don't comment on it. Like, I know what you've just been through is terrible. And I'm sorry that you've been through it. And then usually I'll shut up because if they want to talk more, they will. And that's true. I think what happens too many times um, is we think we know what we should say, you know, or a lot of times, you know, I found in my, when I really first started my journey of pastoring, trying to find the right words to say, what were the right words? And then you say all the wrong words and go, oh, oh, that was awful. You know, somebody who just lost their spouse. I know how you feel. No, I don't. Yeah. I, I have no idea how they feel. I've never lost my spouse. I, I cannot, I cannot imagine the agony that you're going through or somebody who's lost a child. I don't understand what that means. I've never lost a child. I can't, I can sympathize with you and understand that what you're going through is a terrible tragedy, but I don't know how you feel. Um, so a lot of times it's just, it is that ministry of presence. It's just, look, I know this is terrible. I know this is horrible, but I know that God's still here with you and I'm here with you for whatever I can do. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's all you can do. I guess that's when I think about it. It's like, uh, okay, well, like when I'm with someone that's got that devastating thing I want to be with him at present in the moment but ultimately in my mind even in my own life I'm like well, what are your options you can you can do like Job's wife said curse God and die mm-hmm. or you keep going like those are your really once it's boiled down to those are your two options right probably not the healthiest way to look at it but that's just right where I'm at. but there's a process that people have to work through you yeah. know even even if you have that ultimate understanding that those are your options that you have. There's still a process that people have to go to work through that whole morning. If you're process. healthy. <laughs> are you trying to say something about yourself? Uh, well, me more so than anybody else. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Okay. Well, hopefully Job's friends were in a, in a healthful place and understood that what Job needed at this moment in time was just space to mourn. Yeah. But seven days is a long time and so uh once that seven days is up uh one of his friends uh, i like the way he says going on to the exploring the historical and contextual setting um you have after seven days you know i guess it's eliphaz who just you know asked to speak actually so there's still some reference and there's still um i say reference there's still some deference to Job. And I don't yeah. think that they're running in here to instruct him. I think they're still truly trying to be a friend. And, and I think they're all a friend. But so then the way this book is set up, again, it's a, it's a cool book. So you've got the initial trouble, then you've got the kind of building the suspense for the friends are coming in. And then, you know, it's kind of like that dramatic pause. And so now then we're going to have this cycle where all the friends start exploring and i think that's the way we should say it i don't think we should necessarily approach this book by trying to find out why job's friends were wrong and why job was right because i don't think that's the point i think the point is is that you're using these characters to uplift ideas about god and how god interacts with human beings in the world and and so they speak and then job gets the chance to rebuff right yes and so that's kind of where we're at 
Um, what have you got anything in there that you wanted to highlight? Um, I, I think the one thing that really jumped out to me is that Job and his rebuttal to Eliphaz and, and it's the bottom of page 18, Job 5, 18, he says, for he, wo he wounds, but he also binds up, he injures, but his hands also heal. And I think for Job, the one thing that I found fascinating was that was that it's a statement of both explanation, but it's also a statement of encouragement. Yeah. Back and forth, you know, really maybe listening to what Eliphaz has to say, but then as Job is also trying to understand God through this whole process, I think he finds the explanation there but also some encouragement understanding that that's what that's what god is is doing yeah um i don't really want to go too much further into that like i said what we're doing here is just setting up these things but like i said okay so it's you know i mean think about this um in that bottom paragraph that begins at first eliphaz gently reminds job if you go a couple sentences into there those who plow in equity and sow trouble reap the same. Um, that's in the Bible, you know. Right. You reap what you sow. Right. Not a bad thing, right? Um, and then, you know, can a mortal be more righteous than God? No, of course not. And then, so, then you have an element of foreshadowing. Eliphaz declares, but if I were you, I would appeal to God and I would lay out my case before him. And essentially, that's what we're going to. Right. Uh, God or Job's going to get to that point, but I guess my sin, my my purpose in saying that is, um, if you if you do the extra work mm -hmm. as a Sunday school teacher or as a student, and you read through the Book of Job as we're going through it, I would just challenge you to see how many things that Job's friends say that is echoed in the Scriptures. Like it's not as yeah. though they were giving bad advice. Again, I think that's the problem. When, that, that is a problem when we study Job is we just assume that Job's friends were wrong. I don't think we can do that No. in this particular part, but a lot of what they say is right. Yeah. I mean, culturally, and we're going to get into that into the digging deeper too, culturally and socially, what Job's friends were speaking were common held beliefs of, of the time and not just i don't think not just of the time but also of of our time these are culturally accepted notions that god punishes the wicked and uplifts the righteous yeah and, and so if you if you'd angered god then obviously you must you must have done something to anger god because yeah. you look at the wrath that you've incurred in your life so obviously you have done something so it's it's acceptable, and I think it would be expected of of people then, especially, and, and even maybe some today, to say, "Well, what did you do wrong?" <laughs> you know. And we talked about that in the last lesson, so I won't bring it up again. But funny enough, I've been working on this fall coming encounter, getting it to the printer, and just going back and reading. Uh, one of the lessons is from Micah, you know, and what Micah is doing is warning the. Uh, I guess he's in the southern part, so he's warning Judah, say, "Hey." get right or you're going to be destroyed and of course we all know micah 6 8 you know do just what act justly love mercy 
walk humbly before walk humbly. God. Mm-hmm. And the thought is you do these things and you return to God, then things are going to go okay for you. Right. But then what, what I thought was it muddles it up when Jesus says in this world, you'll have trouble. Or when Peter says, so you might suffer for doing good, but that's better than suffering from doing evil. But is it? Yeah. I mean, because you're still suffering. I mean, it you're is still suffering. Yeah. My point being is you can still do everything right. This is what Job is saying. You can be righteous, mm-hmm. but still suffer. Yeah. Um, but hopefully then our suffering has some meaning and it's not separated from God forsaking us yes. or us yeah. doing wrong. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, no, I agree. Discussion question. Have you ever felt you were being unjustly punished by God? How do you mm. understand these times when you experience it or see it happening to someone else? That's tough. Have I ever felt like, well, I'm sure in my teenage moments of life, when your hormones are all crazy and you can't see ahead, I'm sure there was something that I thought God was punishing right. me unjustly for, um, you know, looking back on that, it was like, oh, that's, that's life. And maybe that's part of, part of the growing process of understanding these times. Now that I have some age on me, no, not a right lot here. No, no, not a whole lot of age. Um, but looking back on that, maybe that's part of it is understanding that even though I felt like it was an unjust punishment, it was, it was just life, you know? And I think this is the argument that the book of Job presents to us is you have friends who were presenting the common held beliefs of the time. And then you have Job trying to process through this going, I know I'm a just man. I know I did. Okay. And, you know, and trying to understand why he would still be punished. And I think that's something that now today at my, at my point in life that I can look back and go, it wasn't a punishment. It was, it was just things happen. Yeah. Well, well, okay. I'll leave it at that, but still it leaves the question of why would God let it, but we'll get into that. Which is always a good question. Yeah, we will. I think instead of me answering that discussion question, I want to swing over to the digging deeper because what Dr. Estes does is to bring up two of the examples, which we can obviously probably, if if you're a student of the gospels, then you'll probably very quickly be Mm -hmm. able to see and understand these two passages. So one of them would be in the book of John where a man was born blind and, you know, the disciples say, well, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind. And that's, we, we probably don't think that anymore. Right. Um, But we still, it's still common that we would say, well, that happened because, well, you know, that kid's never been any good and they're never going to be right. Yeah. Um, And then you have in Luke uh, kind of a similar thing uh, where Jesus says, those those people who died because the tower siloam fell on them it's what were you better than they were kind of thing right uh, but then jesus says but if you don't repent you you will likewise perish um yeah. so okay so i use that to but say, then then with the book of john though too he he says neither but that yeah that god's glory may be revealed Right. So here's the way it works. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's work might be revealed in him. Is it, I mean, does nothing in your body call out for a little sense of justice there? So just because God wanted to show God's self off 
some somebody's born blonde and has to live for how many ever years before Jesus shows right. up and says, "Ha, see, behold." And that's why that the reason why that's why I'll go back to that discussion question on page eighteen. Yeah. If you're clay, you're clay. Um, and and I don't. Mm. And if God chooses now hopefully with the manifestation of christ and the scriptures that we do have we know that god's not this crazy like deity like moloch that the israelites neighbors had to where like to satiate this god we're going to burn our children right right right, right or right. so we know that it's we're trusting in a in a god that has love and goodwill toward his creation yes so that makes a difference but what makes it hard is still God and we're still created. And so if God does choose that somebody's blind, it doesn't feel right. But yeah, because in our, in our culture, we would consider that very unfair. Well, you know, I mean, even looking at this, the gentleman in John, okay. We don't know exactly how old he was. We know he was probably at least 21 um, because when his parents were brought before the council, they basically said he's of age. He can answer for himself. So being of age and a, and a male, that means he was at least 21 years of age, but we don't know exactly how old he was. So he didn't, he didn't ask to live like that for a minimum of 21 years. Right. That wasn't, you know, I can only imagine how hard that was on his parents to try to bring him up in a, in a time when this would have been just incredibly debilitating. He, they didn't ask for that. They didn't ask for the misery. No. So uh, how do you, how do you reconcile? You know, I mean, that's, that's a good question. Where do we, well, reconcile? I think we could write something like the book of Job and <laughs> yeah, and try exactly. To, try to figure that one out. Um, yeah. So um Again, what Dr. Estes is bringing up is that we just, we still have, and even back then, we just had this general sense that good, do good, good things, do bad, yeah. bad, things. bad things. And uh, so anyway, um, I like the way he, in page 19, the second paragraph, uh, he references the fact that Job's friends have difficulty seeing that, you know, things just can happen, right? Yes. They prefer a carefully ordered universe where evil always gets its comeuppance while the righteous never see a dark day. One of the saddest aspects of this book, apart from the tragedies in Job's life, is that uh, these fellows believe they are defending a holy and just God. In fact, they are espousing their own narrow views that reflect neither the magnitude of God's justice, grace, and mercy, nor the realities of life as we experience it. And I think that's true. Absolutely. Um, because I, I don't know, like I said, generally speaking, I think you can say a lot of these things they they say, but maybe the purpose of the book of Job is we don't know about that council in heaven that happened. Yeah. And so that should give us pause to be humble. Just because we don't have complete knowledge of what's going on. I don't know. I think one of the things book of Job really brings out is that we are trying to understand the magnificence and the awesomeness of the creator through the yeah. eyes of creation. There are things that we can't even possibly, I mean, and we get into that towards the 
end of the book of Job when God answers Job and asks him all these questions. But there are things that we cannot possibly understand, that our, our brains cannot comprehend. And yet we try to reconcile and reason out God's workings through our own experience and our through our own lens. And and we just we can't. We yeah. can't understand all of that. We can't see everything that God sees. We just, we cannot reason through all of it. There's, There's just, a humility should... that should come to that, but like yes. humility also shouldn't overtake some of the things you know to be true and right about God. Sure. Right. Um, so I, is there a way to God be is love. Right. right. God is caring. God is merciful. God is compassionate, but God is also just. And what justice is a very difficult question to answer because what we, we see as justice could be different than biblical justice or holy justice or whatever yeah. you want to. Yeah, it is. Um, all right. So then we move on to Bildad, the Shuhite, who speaks up and sounds, I mean, like he begins his speech. Does God pervert justice? No, no, of course not. So he, he kind of begins that speech with if, you know, Seek God, make supplication to the Almighty. If you're pure and upright, surely God will uh, rouse and make uh, rouse Himself for you and restore to you your rightful place. All right, that's good, mm -hmm. right? Job, you know, by the end of some of these things, gets a little impatient and simply asks, you know, <laughs> bucks up. And so then yeah. Bildad says, "Well, why why are we stupid in your sight?" Right? Mm. Um, and I guess. Uh, the thing that I would, I'm going to bring this out. I really think I should bring this out. What Bildad says is, seek God, make supplication to the Almighty. If you're pure and upright, surely he will rouse himself and restore you to a rightful place. Well, at the end of the book, God does that because he gives Job double everything he had before. And at the end of the book, uh, the friends are spanked disciplined a little bit, and Job offers sacrifices on their behalf. But ultimately, at the end of the book, Job, who had faith, was blessed and did what was righteous. And mm -hmm. then the folks whom God, or the scripture at least, deems were not as faithful were punished. Mm -hmm. And so I still think the overarching thing of the book, we've got to at least see, Job was righteous and he received double the blessing. Yeah. Those who weren't were punished. And so right. while we can say, generally speaking, yeah, that whole theology of do good, good things happen and do bad, bad things happen is wrong. Not really at the end of the book of Job. It kind of plays out that way. Um, so anyway, I wanted to just wanted to throw that out there um, because I think it's important. Because I think, generally speaking, I think that's the way we have to live life. I think we have to live life with the thought of, I'm going to pursue God because that's the best thing that can happen. Yes. And I'm and, not going to be wicked because God could punish me. Yes. And yeah. I think for, for us on this side of the cross, one thing for us to keep in mind is that we have the eternal life aspect. And understanding that through the book of Job, that that ultimately we will receive justice and, and righteousness and our reward. It, it may not play out on this side, right? It may not play out on this side. It may come 
after we we leave this planet you know i think that's important yeah that's that's something i think that we have to do is is to understand that when i think when the bible talks about justice while we like that instant karma or we like it when somebody gets their just desserts when we deserves when we want it ultimately a lot of this is shaken out eternally yeah um and i think that is an important thing that you can bring up in your sunday school class again without that eternal uh thought i don't see how any of this works right um, no. So then you got Zophar, the Namathite. Mm-hmm. Namathite. I love that. Should you babble? Should your babble put others to silence? Mm-hmm. Man, they had some zingers in this. Well, you know, I know that's why I like the book of Job. Yeah. But he gets to the same place. You say my yeah. conduct is pure and I'm clean in God's sight. Um, but then he goes on to say, Can you find out the deep things of God? Can you find out the limit of the Almighty? Mm-hmm. No. Right. No. But ultimately, so far, gets to the point to where best thing you can do is repent. Right. Again, not a bad, not a bad idea. Not, not yeah, you know, not bad counsel, um, just misguided counsel, maybe at this point, but not bad counsel. Yeah. Um, let's see here. I think we've, we've probably stayed there long enough because what we're getting to the point of is, is that we can rush to judgment. We don't have all the information. Let's be a little yeah. humble about things. Um, Absolutely. So in our discussion question, each of the characters in this um, chapter of Job are plagued with incomplete and distorted knowledge, yet each comes up with his own wrong explanations. What should this teach us about our own understanding? That we know nothing. <laughs> Next to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, that we have, we have the assurance that God is love, that God is gracious, that God provides justice. But what, what does that mean? Yeah. Well, how does it play out? How does it play out other than we know eternally, you know, what's going to happen when Christ comes back, we have that assurance, we have that knowledge, but how that plays out here uh, in our everyday lives. And the only way I, I think we learn it is by living it, right? That's right. That's right. Experience, understanding. Yeah. All right. Anything else in that section? Mm. I, I would like to point out that Job, again, it just it floored me. Um, bottom of page 20. Last paragraph, he says, again, he speaks to the visitors and begs them, have pity on me, oh, you, my friends, for the hand of God has touched me. Why do you like God pursue me? And that just, just again, is such an interesting concept to me that Job never once thought it was Satan who was doing these yeah. things to him, yeah. that it was, it was God who was allowing things to happen, allowing things to happen. Yeah. So he was right. so interesting. All right. So learning from the scripture, we start with John Calvin. He preached 159 sermons from the book of Job. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> almost four years worth of, well, that's three years worth. It's more than three years worth of, yeah. of just preaching from Job. Wow. We we're only preaching on Sunday. So, uh, and I like the way he said that. He said the disputes between Job and his friends represented a good cause. Job pled his case poorly. However, his yeah. friends brought a poor case and explained it much better. Maybe that's the way to look at it. Like you could take some time to unpack that. I mean, like, because 
again, everything the friend says you can find in scripture somewhere. Um, but they're missing the point. This was somebody who was, maybe that's it. Maybe I got a little thing. Maybe it's oh. in these. Yeah. So like when I'm thinking about Epiphany. this, maybe, I don't know. I got to work it out a little bit, but I'm thinking okay. maybe that makes sense in this world. You'll have trouble. Or when Peter says it's better to suffer for doing good than for doing wrong. And so maybe the point of the book is we're preparing ourselves as spiritual people to be treated poorly because we've done well, or when we submit ourselves to God, mm. like I said, it, for Christ, it went, it was a cross. Didn't, yeah. didn't work for Paul. It was shipwrecks, beating snake bites, imprisonment right. for Peter. Right. You know, if you believe the legends executed upside down on a cross, right. but the point being is, this whole theology of bad things are happening because you're evil is certainly out of the window in the New Testament because Christ says you will have trouble. You will be persecuted. Yeah. Take up your cross mm -hmm. and follow yep. me. So if you end you in death, suffer. it's because you've done good. So maybe mm -hmm. that then what John Calvin might be trying to say is that um, the case isn't about suffering at all. It's more about if we're submitted to God, right? So maybe that's... Mm -hmm. So submitting to your God, submitting to God can be dangerous and very un unhealthy for Job sure. and for Peter and all the other disciples. Yes. No, I agree with that. I agree. Cause I don't think we talk about that enough, enough in our churches. You know, we think that being a Christian is just, well, <laughs> I yeah. think there are some pastors out here that um, promote Christianity as a way to make your life smooth, easy, and comfortable. And, and that it should be absolutely the opposite of that. Cause being a Christian and submitting yourself to Christ does lead to persecution and suffering and, and trouble and issues in so many ways. And it, you do have to have a, a strong faith and just a strong mindset, I think, to be submitted to God because you're going to be put in positions in your life where you will be persecuted and your option that you're supposed to take is to submit to that persecution and be humble. Yeah. I'll have to, that's not easy. A little bit more. But initially I think there's something to that, that yeah. we, bad things doesn't necessarily have to be good or evil. It might be just the consequence sure. of following Christ or being righteous. And it, yeah. it's not intended to, it's not intended to be disciplined at all, or it's just, it, it, this is what happens when you're faithful. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Hmm. I'll work on that. Good Get thought. back with That's you. That's a good thought process. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, then Dr. Estes brings up a couple different, and he takes the view, it seems to me, when I'm reading through this, that we do have to understand these things in light of, of an eternal judgment. Yeah. or at least in, uh, in light of eternity. So in Matthew 25, you know, you get that. I tell you just as you did not do this, this is the sheeps and the goats passage. Uh, you did not do it to me and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous mm -hmm. into eternal life. Or, um, or he brings up, you know, the book of John three eighteen and 19. Uh, this is the judgment that has come into the world and the people love darkness rather than light because the deeds were evil. Right. Yeah. Um, and so there's a there's a sense that even Dr. Estes is trying to bring out that we have to think about some of these things from an internal perspective. Yes. 
Which is interesting because then if we go back to, if we go back to the understanding of the friends of the time and their culture, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but they did not really have an understanding of afterlife. That was not, that was not. It depends on the thing. Like I said, depending okay. on how you understand the book of Joe, whether it was written before the, the five books, the first five mm -hmm. books, the, it, at the very least, the setting is this is before you had a constructed theology. So it was the Sadducees that now the Jews didn't really dwell on an eternal life. Generally speaking, by the time you get to the, you know, the prophets or, or whatever, but I, it's hard to say because then Job does say, you know, I do believe that in the last day I will stand and see God with, though my flesh be destroyed, I will see God with my own eyes. There's a sense in which probably in the book of Job, they had there some is sort any, of understanding. at least, yeah, whatever it looks like, we don't know, but I right, think, sure. I, I don't know, I don't know. The yeah. answer to that is, I don't know. Okay. Well, that's a good answer. Yeah. And the older I've gotten, the more I give that answer away. So perfectly acceptable answer. <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, so let me go ahead and do the discussion question then. And, yeah. and because like, uh, it, Dr. Estes was, um, I think fair enough to bring up the fact that like the whole theology of the Exodus really is I'm bringing you out. And if you do good, Things are going to go well for you. Land flowing with milk and honey and all that good jazz. But if you don't do good, right. you're going to get bit by snakes and swallowed <laughs> up by the ground and all those other crazy things that happen. Yeah, right? fire breaks out. Or, you know, like we read in Deuteronomy, you know, I said before you, life and death. Make your choice, good or bad, mm -hmm. you know. So anyway, how do future judgment and how does future judgment and the resurrection of Jesus Christ inform you how to think about injustices of the day? Do they bring you hope and fear? Mike, I think we probably said answered it, but yeah, hope if you want to for yeah. sure. I mean, they just they should, you know, as as a follower of Christ, no matter what happens to us today, no matter what happens in the world around us, we have that assurance of of eternal life and justice being done you know no matter whether we think justice is brought today or not we have that hope yeah that it and, will. and like i think we've talked in the past because if y'all are students of the encounter we've introduced y'all to the concept of the day of christ or the day of mm -hmm. you know the day of judgment these could be hopeful or fearful if you've lived your life in a terrible way even though you might not have suffered on this earth, you're going to be afraid because <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to give an account. Yeah. If you're not a Christian, you don't have that mediate mediary. You don't have that lamb that will step up in your place, so to speak. And so that could be very fearful. Yeah. Um, but I think for the hopeful, I do wonder, maybe this is just me throwing something out there. To think about, do you think we'll have some sense of, I don't mean this snarkily, so don't jump to it, but like, will there be things that hurt us so deeply um, that when we see the justice of God, even though we're in heaven and we're eternal beings at that point, that we'll, we'll feel some satisfaction? And the reason I say that, because like the book of Psalms, it's like, how long, O Lord, will the evil doers be around me? Yeah. When will you not bring justice? And they, you know, that like Jeremiah was pretty serious. 
yeah. um, and lamentation and different places where it, I mean, hopefully when we're dead, it'll be all joyful and we won't worry about that. But at the same right. time, when you read some of those laments and in the Psalms and whatnot, they really want to, they really want to see, see, it. see. <laughs> somebody sat on a platter <laughs> is, it, is it lamentations or is it jeremiah i think it's lamentation we're like they hope like you know the baby's heads get crushed up against the seawall yeah, yeah that yeah, kind of thing like yeah, they're really yeah. serious about they some, yeah they really are retributive justice <laughs> mm, so yeah i, I think we've, we've probably talked about that so that leads us to the applying the scripture section sharing insights mm. um i'll just open it up we'll probably end with just uh, the discussion question but was there anything in there you wanted to highlight uh, i think dr ss points out some really good things in this applying scripture he says to be a christian friend to someone in their time of distress requires thoughtfulness sensitivity and genuine compassion okay. um he says spouting platitudes even if they have biblical basis is probably not what the person needs from us yeah. And I think that's that's really important for us to, to think about. Again, going back to that ministry of presence. Um, sometimes what people need is just to know that you're there. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then sometimes that ministry of presence is a physical reminder that God is there. Yeah. But you don't need to talk. The Holy Spirit can. Yes. Um, Absolutely. Uh, Joe, Bra or Joe, Dr. Estes. We're not gonna we're not gonna equate the two. Uh, Dr. Estes writes a key realization is that neither Job nor his friends had a complete understanding of God. They yeah. were clearly wise, thoughtful people who had differing views. And I think that's important. I mean, like they were friends. They were wise people. They were thoughtful people. We don't need to disregard what they say because that took them years to come up with that theology. And again, in a different time, different place, it was probably good theology. So we highlighted some of those things. I had a Bible college professor who said, if you're taking your Christian education and pastoring, pastoral preaching seriously, then you need to be aware that every moment you get up, there is a way to add good knowledge to your people. And so when something bad happens, you don't have to explain this part. You can just be with them because they know that God is love, that God is in charge, that God loves us and has a plan for us, even when we don't understand. And if that's firmly planted in your congregation's head or in your Sunday school class's head, then you don't have to be superhero when you show up. They know yeah. it. They've been, they've been introduced to it and you've preached about it. And so maybe it helps in that time of tragedy. Um, but a lot of times that's the kind of stuff people got to like, they got to put the blocks together right? You got the building blocks, but when tragedy happens and experience makes you shift and shape that foundation to where it still stands, that's their job. And God's yeah. Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's yeah. job. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we may be there for, I mean, misery loves company. That's right. Uh, but sometimes, you know, it, the connotation's bad, but gosh, when you hurt so bad, you just need to Sometimes you just, I'm, I'm an introvert, but when I, I remember there's times I've heard so bad, I just wanted somebody to sit down and listen to me complain, right? And, and so, that's okay, you know, yeah. and I think that's, that's part of that ministry of presence is just understanding you don't have to speak, that you don't have to say anything, that you just 
allow that person to process through the tragedy wherever they are with that tragedy and just allow the Holy Spirit to minister to them. Yeah. So the discussion question, imagine you were Job's friends. How did they speak to him? What were they lacking? How would you have been different? What would you have said or done? I don't know. I don't about know it. that I would have done any different, you know? I mean, I probably would have came with the same cultural understanding that they had, you know? Yeah. For some tools, one tool that I found helpful in pastoral counseling classes, I say I'm terrible at it because I am, but I have some tools to, to uh, cover some of it. But, you know, you ask those questions, which bring out the things that people were reflecting about, like, oh, I'm going to miss him so much. I'm going to miss her so much. You know, allow people the opportunity to express what they're going to feel. So you might just ask, you know, what was it? What were some of the things that you like to do with this person? Mm-hmm. And they need to just let that out. Mm-hmm. And then in letting that out, hopefully they're, you know, building up those memories heal. and those that that will help go forward. Or, you know, it's like, I can't believe that that person would do such a thing. You could just ask, you're reflecting back. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, I'm sure that's terrible. Tell me more about how you're feeling or whatnot. Just giving people the... Um, opportunity to keep going yeah yeah opportunity to speak about it all right absolutely do we have anything else i don't think so yes i do have one more thing i do too actually remind me subscribe click the button um yeah i will actually add something else so if you've made it all the way through our um encounter lesson for today Keep Dr. George Estes in your prayers. His wife, Janie, had a stroke a couple years back. Anyway, she's been in the hospital um, quite a bit here lately, and uh, we got a text message. I was just emailing him expressing, you know, thanks and that I'm praying for him. And he said, well, actually, they were at the hospital at 2.30 this morning, and she's uh, been. So um, pray for Janie is her name, Janie Estes, George and Janie. So we thank him for his years of service, and we also Keep him in prayer and Janie in prayer. And uh, all right, y'all go preach, teach, pray for general assembly. Don't be a jerk when you're trying to counsel somebody. That's right. Love God with all your heart. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Bye.